Good morning. Welcome to the Grove. Uh, my name is Eric Matoy, if you don't know me, Pastor the Grove, and uh, we're thrilled you're here today. Uh, we had a great month in April. Um, you guys have fun at the movies? Anybody enjoy that series? Yeah? Thanks for inviting your friends. April was the largest month we've ever had for guests and for people coming to, the, to be part of the Grove. So thanks for, thanks for coming, all you that came and all you invited your guests. Thanks for bringing them. Um, I went to India back in January, and a lot of you guys have asked me, like, what are we going to hear about this? And so today is the day. Last week we showed a film called Lion, and it was, a, it was really based out of, uh, out of India. There's a boy that was lost and it was found in the movie, and uh, it was really a setup for this week uh, to kind of inspire us, to challenge us to what, what can we do as a community to have an impact in our world. So I'll be talking about India. Uh, before I do that, I just want to say welcome all those tuning online. Welcome back. For a whole month, they weren't with us because uh, of the copyright reasons. We couldn't show the movies. Uh, but there, we have online video uh, live back today, so good to have you guys today. And uh, we're just, uh, yeah, we're excited for, for what, what to talk about today. And um, before I jump into India, I want to just talk a little about um, the way I, my worldview, how I look at things, how I see things. And there was a, um, an, something that was very impacting my life that happened when I was 19 years old that I'm going to talk about. Uh, before I do, uh, I, want, I want you to just kind of see how I look at the world and how I see life, all right? So I have this, this, um, this roll of yarn here. If I was to get it and I was to just, you know, throw it out and get it, start beginning to throw it around the whole room, you don't have to get back in a second because I don't want to tingle everybody up. Yeah. So if, if we just take this, this, this yarn and begin to unwind it, right, and uh, get the beginning and find the beginning, at some point there's a beginning and at some point there's an end. If I was to get this yarn, after I stretch it out completely, and there's still a lot here, if you can just use your imagination with me, right? So by the time I unroll this, at some point I'm going to get an end, right? And if we, look, if we took this, this yarn that's really long, and I got a marker, a little pen here, and I, I drew a little dot, black dot right here. Make it pretty clear. Can you guys see that dot? Yeah? All right. You're with me. <laughs> it's so small, right? That would be like this second um, compared to all the seconds in our day, right? So if this was our whole day, that would be like one second. Or maybe that dot would represent a minute um, in, in, this, in, this, uh, in this whole week. Right? It's just uh, one minute and a whole bunch of them. Um, or, or one day that could represent today in the middle of our whole life. It's just a little blip on the, on the, on the radar, right? on, the, on, the, on the string. That one dot. Well, imagine with me that this little dot now would represent our life. And the string would represent eternity. This is how I look at the world. This is how I look at life. Um, essentially, the life we live is just a little blip on the radar. It's just a little dot in the middle of all of eternity. And, the, and the, 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 what we do with that second, with that minute, with that day, with our life, it matters. See, because one second, can, one, one decision can be for the positive, for the negative. One, one minute of thinking about something and making a decision can have an impact. One day of your life, giving to help others can make an impact in somebody's life. And then somebody's life that they would use, say, what, what, if, what if I use this little dot to have an impact on the world? It's kind of like, a, you guys ever gone to the pool and the pool's kind of cold, the water's cold, maybe the ocean or a pool? And uh, you get to the water and you put your feet in and you're like, oh, it's freezing, right? And, uh, and then if you really want to get, you really want to really swim, so you don't want to keep, keep you from jumping in. So you, you put your feet in and then you get a little deeper and it's at your knees and it's still cold. And as you go a little deeper, it's ooh, really cold, right? And then you keep moving up until you slowly, eventually you get in there and it's like, oh, man, this is so cold. And you might stay, you might not might get out. Um, some people treat life like that. It's kind of like cautious. Others... Uh, maybe like if you're like me, you just you don't want to you don't want to endure the pain of gradual pain. So you just what do you do? You you, you run and you cannonball right, and they're like yeah, and poof, hit the water. What happens? 
You go under, the, the ripples ha- begin to happen, and the ripples go out, and they hit the wall, and they come back in, right? And they go out, and they come back in. And depending on how big you are, they go out, and they come back in, and they go out, and they come back in. If there was no walls, eventually those ripples would just continue on until who knows where. It, it would just have a ripple effect. See, in our lives, that little dot on the, on the, on the, on, on, in, the, in the whole scheme of eternity, it really doesn't seem like much. But imagine that life who lived intentionally, who jumped in and made the ripple, and, and one life impacted another life, and another life impacted another life, another life, another life. This is how I view life. So at age 19, I was reading a book on leadership because I was, I was in charge to, of leading people, and I was kind of young, so I didn't know what to do. So I began to learn and, and, and try to study and, and learn as much as I could. And I, I found this story in one of these books that had a, a profound impact on my life. And I want to share this story with you because this is what began to help me see life in this kind of way. That my day is just a little, you know, a little dot in the scheme of my whole life, but that day matters. And my life is just a little dot in the scheme of eternity, but that life matters. And this is what the story says. It's called A Thousand Marbles. The story goes like this. The older I get, the more I enjoy Saturday mornings. Perhaps it's the quiet solitude that comes with being the first to rise. Or maybe it's the unbound joy of not having to be at work. Either way, the first few hours of a Saturday morning are the most enjoyable. A few weeks ago, I was shuffling towards the garage with a steaming cup of coffee in one hand, and what began as a typical Saturday morning turned into one of those lessons that life seems to hand you from time to time. Let me tell you about it. I turned on the old radio that was once my grandfather's to try to see if I could pick up anything. I came across an older-sounding gentleman with a tremendous signal and a golden voice. You know the kind. He sounded like he should be in broadcasting business. He was telling whoever he was talking with something about a thousand marbles. I was intrigued. And I stopped to listen to what he had to say. Well, Tom, it sure sounds like you're busy with your job. I'm sure they pay you well, but it's a shame you have to be away from your home and your family so much. Hard to believe a young fellow should have to work 60 or 70 hours a week to make ends meet. Too bad you missed your your daughter's dance recital. He continued. Let me tell you something, Tom. Something has helped me to have a good perspective of my own life. And that's when he began to explain his theory of a thousand marbles. You see, I sat down one day and I did a little arithmetic. The average person lives about 75 years. I know, some live more and some live less, but on average, folks live about 75 years. Now then, I multiplied 75 times 52, and I came up with 3,900, which is the number of Saturdays that the average person has in their entire lifetime. Now stick with me, Tom. I'm getting to the important part. It took me until I was 55 years old to think about all this in any detail. He went on, and by that time, I had lived through, well, through over 2,800 Saturdays. I got to thinking, if I, enjoy, if I lived to be 75, I only had about 1,000 of them left to enjoy. So I went to a toy store, and I bought every single marble they had. I ended up having to visit three toy stores to round up 1,000 marbles. I took them home, put them inside of a large, clear plastic container right here in the kitchen. Every Saturday since then, I have taken one marble out, and I've thrown it away. I found that by watching the marbles diminish, I focused more on the really important things in life. There is nothing like watching your time on this earth run out to help you get priorities straight. Now let me tell you one last thing before I sign off with you and take my lovely wife out for breakfast. This morning, I took out the last marble of the container. I figured if I make it until next Saturday, then I've been given a little extra time. And the one thing we can all use is a little more time. It was nice to meet you, Tom. I hope you spend more time with your family, and I hope, you, I hope to meet you again here on the, on the radio. 73-year-old man, this is K9NZQ, clear and going out, QRT, good morning. You could have heard a pin drop on the band when this fellow signed off. I guess he gave us all a lot to think about. 
I had planned to work on the yard that morning, and then I was going to clean the garage. Instead, I went upstairs, woke my wife up with a kiss. Come on, honey. I'm taking you and the kids out to breakfast. What brought this on, she asked with a smile. Oh, nothing special. It's just been a long time since we spent a Saturday together with the kids. Hey, can we stop at a toy stall or out? I need to buy some marbles. I read this story when I was 19 years old, and I said, wow, only 3,900 Saturdays in a lifetime. That is not a lot. And then I was a student pastor, so I was teaching students. So what we do every, every year, we get a jar full of 365 marbles, clear marbles. And every week we'd meet on Wednesday night, we'd, we'd gather. And first thing, one of the first things we'd do is we'd take out those seven marbles and we'd throw them in the trash. And we'd ask the question, what did you guys do with these seven marbles this week? And we began a dialogue. And so the first year, we just took out the marbles and we saw the year just diminish in front of us. There's nothing like seeing your year go away that you realize, wow, they go really fast. We got to take advantage of what we have. And the second year, we said, what if we added marbles that meant something special? So we said, when, when you do something that's special to your life, like a, we would call them God moments, where you love somebody, you care for somebody, just an opportunity where you, you sense God shows up in your life and you help somebody else. Let's share those stories. So every week, we take out seven clear marbles and throw them away and say, the last seven days of your life are gone. What did you do with this last week? And then they would share stories. Well, I, I was able to encourage a friend. I was able to pray with a teacher. I was able to, and the stories just kept coming. I was able to help a, a family in need. And then we would take that red marble and we put it in the jar, have them put it in the jar. And it was cool as our year diminished, our year actually filled up. And what happened um, is we began to live life very intentional, intentionally, where we said, man, we want our life to count. We want our life to matter. It's important that we don't miss the life that we've been given. In fact, I say it like this, life is a gift. The life you've been given is a gift from God. It's a gift. Matthew 25 uh, Jesus tells a story of, of, of a parable of three servants, or the ter- parable of the talents. He says this, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. He just told a story about the kingdom of heaven. He's going to tell another story about the kingdom of heaven. And then after this, he's going to tell another story. But he's illustrating, this is, what the God, this is the kingdom of God and what it's like. And he says, it's going to be illustrated by a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted, them with his, entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Divided in proportion to their abilities, he then left on his trip. The servant who had received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returns from his trip, called him to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he had trusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you've given me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise, said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, master, you've given me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, investing crops you did not plant and gathering crops you did not cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested and I didn't, where I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why did you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest in it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver, to those who have... To use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. 
Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Life is a gift from God. What we do with our life is our gift back to him. How are you handling the gift God's given you? See, in the scheme of things, today is just a day in your whole life. But it's important. It matters. See, in this story, notice how the third, the wicked, the wicked one he calls, a lazy and wicked servant, he said how he viewed God, one thing, he viewed him as a harsh person. Because the story of the kingdom of God, he's, he's comparing himself to saying people who, who live like the, the man of a thousand marbles, intentional, and they, they make an impact. People realize that their life is so short they can't, they can't just go through life just seeing whatever happens. They have to be, in, have to be intentional about it. And the two that were intentional, he said, man, you've done well, I'm going to give you more. What would you do? Do something with it. So my question for you is, so how, whatever age you're at, how many Saturdays have you used? How many days have you used? How much more do you have? And what would it look like if all of us would say, how many not to miss my opportunity to do good? How many not to u- miss my opportunity to use this life to make an impact? So my story, uh, my journey through India, let me share with you. I've been waiting to share about this because I loved it. Um, at a young age, I don't know why I got a passion for India. I think I know why. Um, I had a friend who worked in an Indian restaurant who taught me about Indian food, which I love. Um, then I had a friend who go on a missions trip to India, and she met Mother Teresa and did some other missions work. It was awesome. She shared me all her pictures. And something in, in, in high school, I just remember something about India began to just to get lodged inside my heart. And uh, for the longest time, I don't know why, maybe because it's one of the most highly populated countries in the world. Um, China and India together like make up like a third of our whole planet, population-wise. It's, it's incredible. There's so many people. And I, I think just the need, I just was aware of the need there. And so, um, anyways, we're going to start this journey. There's going to be some, some videos behind me. Um, if you get motion sickness, I'm sorry. Um, I hope you don't get too sick, right? <laughs> so I want some raw footage for you guys. There'll be pictures. There'll be um, some uh, um, videos. Uh, just, just my journey. So I went in January for six days to go to visit Calcutta, India, uh, one of the poorest cities in the world. Uh, highly populated. You saw the video in the beginning. That video is about three years old, so they've already made some changes. I'm going to talk about this ministry I went to visit, and I'll talk to you about it in a little bit. So all, all we're missing right here is just horns honking, right? Because if you can imagine horns honking all the time, ah, 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 ah. not aggressive like I'm going to beat you up horns honking, like friendly like, hey, don't hit me, I'm next to you horns, like, hey, like, like you know, geese, they encourage each other as they travel down the, like, keep going, keep going, kind of like that. that is, it's awesome. That's the best way to explain it. It's, just, it's a friendly, noisy city all the time, just move, people, people everywhere. Um, everywhere. And so uh, if you could just imagine the noises, the senses, uh, most of these don't have sound. I think I have a couple of videos I have sound for, but most of these are just, just so I can keep talking as you, as you watch. And uh, just, just people, uh, more people everywhere. Um, noise and, and uh, yeah. And so you could just see just these uh, tons of faces and people there. Uh, the need in, in Calcutta is enormous. Uh, that's just one city in, in the middle of uh, of, of a massive country of people, but that is enormous. But beautiful people. Everywhere you look, you, you, see, you see beauty, you see smiles. In fact, Calcutta uh, is known as a city of joy. They made a movie called City of Joy to talk about Calcutta. Because even though there's, they're so impoverished, there's still joy in the middle of that. Like they, they, they look for the joy. They, 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 you still see that even though they have nothing, they're still smiling. They're still looking for things to, to be happy about. Uh, they're trying to make it. Uh, survival is, is key. They're, they're just trying to figure out how to make, make it work. Um, and this next one, when, when you're looking over the city, you see all the smog out there. They, they said, um, they said, they said about another city in India and Calcutta's worse is that 
uh, equivalent. So when you're out there breathing that in the whole day, that'd be equivalent to smoking 24 packs of cigarette a day. All right. That's how much pollution you're taking in. Just it's, it's, it's incredible. Just the, the smog and there. And um, next one told you there's beautiful people in India. So pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm joking. Poser there trying to figure it out. So 17 by 17 square miles. If you can imagine a little bigger than our, our city, right? So Santa Fe is not quite 17 by 17, but close. If you can imagine that, that's, that's, what, that's the size of their city, the, the city proper that, that um, has, they estimate, somewhere between 15 to 20-some thousand, 20-some million people. So it's just mind-boggling, right? Like we have two, 2 million people in the whole state of New Mexico, right? That's like 10 times the whole state of our population in New Mexico live in that city, which is the size of Santa Fe, right? You, you picture it with me, right? Just need everywhere. Um, so that's just an estimate of what they It's a massive city. Um, I took some pictures of food, but I'm only going to show you one because I don't want to make you too hungry. But this one I had to share because I thought it was funny. We walked into this restaurant called Bodegas, and what do you think they serve? Tacos. <laughs> so I ate tacos and quesadillas in India. It was funny. But they had some fusion flavors with curry, which is awesome. Delicious food. I'm glad they took us there. I just laughed. I'm like, I'm in India eating Mexican food. This is... Everybody loves tacos. All right. Um, but you see the colors, the people they, they wear, just the, um, just the, the people everywhere. Uh, this next one is my wife's favorite picture I took. She, she thought it was awesome. I don't know if it was the colors, what it was, just a, a great picture. That one there. People trying to make it. Vendors on the streets. This is almost in just some neighborhoods. You can see somebody washing next to, next to the, the food that he's selling. Interesting. We wa- were able just to walk the streets of, of Calcutta, meet people, see things. Uh, experience some, some great organizations that are, that are doing a great work there. Uh, we crashed a wedding. Uh, when we found out later, this guy was like a famous actor there in India. Um, and it was just cool to see their, their whole, you know, how they do things different. And I uh, went to the slums and passed out candy. Um, I was almost overtaken. So the guy captured this slightly before the mob grew um, and uh, almost turned into a mob because um, some people were wanting more candy. Uh, this kid wanted one. Can I have one, please? And this is my favorite picture. Now, this is how I saw Calcutta. Not that they were asking me for anything, uh, but they were looking for something, reaching out, and they're trying to figure out. They're just trying to survive, but there's so much more to life than just surviving. And for me, I said, man, what, what would it look like if a, if a life could impact a city? Uh, temples and shrines everywhere. Uh, they worship just tons of gods. There's, there's, there's uh, millions of gods they worship. And so they'll build these temples and shrines all over. There's some major gods. It's some of these that you'll see. Uh, this is the goddess of widows. So uh, this lady must most likely lost uh, her spouse. So she's going to worship at this little shrine here of the goddess of widows. Um, another another temple shrine. Uh, next one, idols and shrines. Pretty much everywhere you go, you'll see them. Uh, there was a holiday for this goddess, goddess of education, while we were there. And I'll show you a little bit about that. But there's some rivers they treat as really holy rivers. They bathe in it. They uh, wash their clothes. They... They sacrifice and put things in the, sacrifice in, in the river, like money and stuff like that. So here are people having a need, and they're throwing their money into a river because of their beliefs. Uh, but sacrifices and uh, um, just different shrines, places they, they, they worship and go. This next one, I believe, is a, it's a temple uh, for the... That is not it. Uh, next one, just preparing to sacrifice. This lady's paid the boy to go get water for her, holy water, so she could take it home. Um, we took a boat ride in the water. And the other pastors, they, they challenged me to put my hand in the water. It's so dirty. I'm like, is it cold or hot? I'm like, I, it sounds like a challenge to me. It's cold. So uh, I touched it. Holy river. My hand is still okay. 
Um, they have idols. Um, so during this, 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 this ceremony, this, this holiday they have, they, they set up these, these shrines and idols to this goddess of education. And uh, we went to the river after the boat ride. We went, went and watched uh, this, this place where they, all the people, they take their idols they bought and, put, and they put them in the river and they kind of sacrifice it and they let it go. And so we were there for a half hour and it was nonstop of this, just people coming and putting idols in the water. Uh, one of the reasons the water is so dirty, and they're trying to figure out how to how to correct that and fix that. Um, but they just put it put it in there. Um, so all these idols just get after the celebration, they they take them to the water and they put them away. So if you're an idol maker, man, you're in business because they're going to keep coming to you to buy some more. Um, keeps going. This next one's a line um, to sacrifice at the temple of Kali. So the the city's named it was Kolkata. Now they changed it to Kolkata, which is kind of the same similar name, but it's named after the goddess Kali. Uh, which is the goddess of death and destruction. So the god they worship in Calcutta is the main god, is the god of death and destruction. And so you see some of that in there, but it's not so much they're worshiping it like because they want more death and destruction. They're trying to appease this god so there won't be death and destruction. It's kind of the idea. And so in this temple, we went for, they call it Kaligat. Um, it wasn't uncommon just a few years back that, these, that they would sacrifice children at this temple. And when we got there, they had just sacrificed a goat. And so we saw some of the remnants of that all over the, the sidewalk. Uh, but people take in things to sacrifice to this go- this, this God. Um, down the street from the, this this temple, the Kali is is a light, a bright light that shines. Uh, this is a Mother Teresa's home for the the dying destitute. Uh, beautiful place. Uh, so it's a hospice. People are going to die. They don't have family. They don't have money. Uh, for many of these people that go there to die, it is the only time they will have clean sheets that they slept in their whole life. Pretty amazing thought. And the, the people that work there, the volunteers that serve these people that are dying, they have compassion just to say, I want to help those that are on the, on the way out of life. And they love them and they care for them. So the, the need is just, it's, it's huge. Um, Mother Teresa's house, we were able to go see her her home. Awesome. She had a huge impact. Even she even had an impact on the missionary that we'll talk about where, who I went to go see the ministry there. Um, one of the reasons the Batanes, they started the hospital in the first place because of Mother Teresa. Uh, this next picture is a, a picture of Hulda Buntane. In 1954, two missionaries went to India to go work there. Hulda is still there. Uh, she spends half her time in India, half her time in the U.S., and goes back and forth. She's 93 years old, and she's still using her life. So she's been there almost 70 years, a little over 70 years, close to 70 years. Um, and uh, it's just an amazing story. Her husband died in 1989 in Calcutta, and he had such a profound impact for the 35 years that he was there um, that people from everywhere came to his funeral. Uh, it was just it was an impact. It was, it was an amazing story of just two people that said, what would it look like if we gave our lives to serve the poorest of the poor and help? And so um, we're going to talk about that ministry. But I just think she's a hero. She's still going, 93, and she's still using her life to help people have an impact. Yeah, we can celebrate that. That's so awesome. <clears throat> talk about some lives that impact a life, that impact a life, that impact a life, that impact a life. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're supposed to do with this life is not just for me, but what can I do to touch others? So Calcutta Ministry, um, this is a picture of I'm on the roof, and, and to the left is the hospital, and then the center is the school. Um, they have 100, 100 schools, so that's just one of the 100. Um, and then to the, um, to the your right would be the tall building, would be office complex. And so um, they had some movie stars even help like buy this, like uh, per, uh, pay for it. And they use this to generate money for the ministry, which is pretty brilliant. And so they actually rent out a lot of offices to even government people. And then on the bottom uh, right there is, is the church. Uh, that kind of is, is where it all started and began with. And so I'm going to talk about Coca-Cola Mercy just for a little bit and then how maybe we can, what we can pray about and do for this year to, to make an impact. Uh, so Coca-Cola Mercy, they, they feed, they educate, and they medically assist. Those are the three things they focus on. Um, so ed, uh, first we're going to talk about uh, feeding. Um, 
Feeding is, this, this is what's interesting. If you go on the website, uh, you should have got a paper coming in. There's a, there's a website there if you want. If you missed it on the way out, grab a paper. You can learn some more about them. Um, two million people die from malnutrition every, um, every year in our world. Okay, Two million people uh, because they don't have food. What's really interesting is two million people die of obesity-related causes every year also. So there's two ends of the spectrum. People have too much food and have things that kill them because of that. People that don't have any food and, and die for that reason. A quarter of the world's uh, hungry and poor live in India. So a quarter of the, the, the poor people, they're, they're, they're in that area. Half of all children deaths in India are from malnutrition. They don't have enough food. So Calcutta Mercy said, what, what can we do to begin to feed and help this need that's so great? And so they started some feeding initiatives, feeding programs. In the video, he said 25,000. They serve every, um, every day, um, which is just a mind-boggling number if you think about how many people they're feeding. But actually, this last two years, they got that number from 25 down to 10. And that seems like a negative thing because they're feeding less people, but it's actually a positive because what they discovered is that they're just feeding 25,000 people. What if we help them discover what they had going for them, help them to begin to, to, to earn money and, and make, make money for their family? And so they first, first meal, anybody's welcome to have a free meal. They give it to them. And it's not like it's a, it's a sack for a whole family. This meal is not just one person. It's, just, it's for a whole family and pretty, pretty amazing. So we did some feeding there. Um, and then they also feed in the, in the, in the schools. Uh, but, but this feeding program, these feeding stations, they said well, the first time is free. Second time, we'll get your address. We're going to send somebody with you to your house and go evaluate and see what we can do to help you to get on your feet to be, be successful. So they begin to find who's gifted in the house to do what. They begin to do training with different jobs and then job placement. And so just think they, they helped 15,000 people find jobs and they begin to provide for their own family. That, that's empowering. That's awesome. And I love ministries that think that way because it's not just let's hand out and give people food, but let's figure out how to change a whole city, a whole community, a whole family. And that's what they're about. So many of the kids uh, don't go to school because when you don't have money, uh, school's a luxury. And so you, you need food. So you send your kids out to find food all day rather than go to school. But if, peop- if, if the schools provide food, then the parents more likely say you need to go to school because not only you get education, but you'll get food. And a lot of times they're able to send some of that food back with the kid back home. It's an awesome tool to be able to help help these, these kids do it. They, they get clean water to different uh, places throughout the, the city and, and, and the area to help, uh, help that happen also. They also educate, educate as well. And so uh, 32,000 kids they're educating right now uh, in India, which is a massive number of kids that they're educating. Um, you can see the joy in the schools when we went to them, vocational schools, all different kinds of schools, Bible schools, um, just, just elementary and, and you know, uh, uh, primary schools, things like that in their classrooms. And so, so it, was, it was just cool to see the all these ministries in place um, that's been going on. And I think of my own life, and I think, what kind of impact can I have? Well, if I keep going at it like they went at it for 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, I can only imagine and dream of the impact I could have if I was intentional with my life. Always time for a selfie, even when the camera guy's a little shaky, right? They love that. Um, they reach neglected, uh, neglected demographic, women, young women. Um, so they get them in the classroom, teach them nursing. Uh, beauty, there's beauty school, sewing, technology, all that, different kinds of things. Uh, just pretty awesome to see how they're helping to, to change families and change the, the trajectory of, 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 of this culture. Um, they help the poorest. Uh, they, there's a caste system in India that says um, uh, the rich stay rich because uh, the gods want it that way, and the poor stay poor because the gods want it that way. And so a rich person won't help a poor person, uh, generally speaking, because they say, if I help you, then I'm going against the gods because obviously the gods want you poor, and they want me rich, so I will keep my money, and you have to stay poor because of something you've done in the past life. Just this is what they believe. So there's this caste system that creates this, and um, in, in the school they're trying to break it. In fact, in, in this school, that, the one, the, the large one we went to go visit, um, it's ranked fourth in the whole city um, of, of, of 
schools ranking in fourth. It's pretty awesome. Um, and they changed this caste system because teachers said you can't teach all four castes in the same classroom. Um, he says, well, Mr. Mark, he said, well, we can change that. So you wouldn't tell the teachers the names of the kids because if you knew the name, you'd know what caste they're in. And the teacher would just teach kids as they were teaching kids in, all in the uniform together, in the same uniform. So they didn't know who was who. And they taught. And what they found is even the, the lowest caste could learn and do amazing things if people would, would not treat them uh, like they've been treated. And so uh, just a lot of respect and, and gratitude. Go to the next one for me. Um, Dupac runs the vocational school. Uh, he went through their whole program. He became one of the top bankers in Calcutta. And he gave up his business uh, to go work for the for the ministry, and he took an eighth of a cut. Uh, he 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 his he lives on it, or he receives an eighth of what he did his salary at his other at being a banker. And so, just his heart to help give back to what's been given to him. And many leaders came up to the school, which is awesome. We've kept meeting leader after leader after leader. Many of the top CEOs in, in the in the big companies in Calcutta came through these schools. And so somebody sponsored. I heard one story of a couple that sponsored um, a kid. And uh, at some point in, in their life, they had, he, the man had a heart attack. And while he was uh, having his surgery, uh, they made a man from India, and he was from Calcutta. And long story short, um, he wasn't the guy that they supported, but uh, he was a student that was supported. He became a doctor, came to the U.S., and actually saved this man's life uh, from a heart attack. And they began to talk, and he says, yeah, I went through that school. That is my school that I was trained in and went through. Pretty cool, just how sometimes you impact life, and that life impacts others. So many leaders come, came through uh, Bible school, went to see there. Um, uh, that's the, he's one of the guys that went to the school, oversees the Bible college. Um, we were able to share with students. I love sharing with young leaders. Um, these will be future missionaries, future pastors, uh, future people that are going to carry, the, carry this, this ministry forward. So it's awesome. Then one of my favorite things we did, we went to the blind school. Um, it was awesome to see just that in, in India, if you have a, a deformity uh, of some kind, you're an outcast. Um, it's a curse from the gods, and so you're not cared for. Um, in fact, one girl we saw, because she was blind, her parents intentionally broke her feet and then mangled them so that she looked really bad so that they could get more money from this little girl. And then eventually she was rescued and brought into, and they rehabilitated and helped her uh, to have as, as normal of life she could from all of the, the, the impact that she had as a as young person. Um, the love for each other is pretty awesome. They did a special service for us. You can hear it here. The musical, the volume might be up or not. <laughs> And they take these kids and they teach them how to make purses and how to, how to do different things with their life and to help them to um, just interact and have a great time. Uh, we tried to play cricket with them. So we played them in a game and they won. Uh, so uh, we weren't very good at cricket, <laughs> it turns out. And uh, they were really good. Um, spent some time with the students, uh, played games with them. Um, the young guy wanted to sing to me, sing to me a couple of songs. And it was just cool just to spend some time and See, these, these otherwise would, would just be left to wander and um, be on their own, you know, taken in and cared for. Played games with them. The, they, they convinced me to get on a, a merry-go-round. Um, after 10 spins, I kind of looked like this next picture, the next girl, right? That was kind of me after like 10 spins, like, all right, I need to get off this thing. Uh, but they loved it, and they went fast. Uh, next one's actual video. So um, this is me in action going on the merry-go-round. If you could hear the noise, it's probably like, no, not that bad, but it was bad. Um, we pl- just we just we prayed for the kids, loved on the kids, talked to them. Um, one of our overseers for the Grove, who speaks, he'll be speaking in, in July. He's uh, Randy. He invited me on this trip, so he he went. One of the reasons I went. 
Uh, there's a video that I'm not going to be able to show you, but if you want to go to the blind school, there's a story of one of the boys that's there. and uh, It's a short video, but it's on the website if you want to go watch it. I'm going to skip that now because I want to show the last video first. Uh, then medically assist, Mercy Hospital. Um, so this is, this is six days of me every single day going and, and experiencing what they're doing and helping and, and doing t- services and stuff like that. Um, just incredible. And I have like 15,000, no, not 15, 1,500 photos. And so I had to get it down to like 50 for you guys today. So that's what we're going through. They help 100,000 people. A couple of years ago it was 40,000. Now it's up to 100,000 because they've expanded, got more beds, things like that, more trained up more nurses and more doctors. Um, head of the hospital came through the schools, you know, oversees it now. Pretty awesome. Uh, Cliff Lip or Cleft Palette, you can get a surgery for a kid done with only $500. Uh, that would be unheard of in the U.S. Uh, but just imagine a kid born with a cleft palate, it's a curse. That's, that's uh, a reason to reject somebody. If you can fix that, that lip for that kid when he's young, the life he could live. Uh, it would be a normal life. It would be a, a life that, that uh, is not looked down upon or, or pushed to the side. Uh, they're one of the only places that have a NICU, this hospital. So even the rich hospitals will send like their babies that are born early to their hospital to help. Um, pretty awesome. And so it all started with, uh, with a community of people. This church called uh, Church with Open Arms. And uh, the Batanes had this ministry to just to, to, to help this this, uh, uh, this this city and this country. I was able to go to a kid's service and share a lesson and, and a story about trusting Jesus. Pretty cool to be able to talk with them. Uh, Pastor Ivan and, and Sheila um, were just a, the couple that leads this ministry, incredible Indian couple um, that they're doing an incredible job. Um, they invited me to, to speak in their newest service, which is a new location. Uh, they're portable just like us. And so um, you can see the signs there, and it was in a theater. And so I was able to share at a service in a theater and talk to uh, uh, just a, a, a great group of people that encourage them and, and tell them about our theater. I showed pictures of, of, of our, our church, and they loved it, and it was just a cool connection that we made with them. Um, and then just met people who were part of the church uh, that told us their story. Uh, some of these I couldn't even put pictures up because there's missionaries who are in parts of, of India that uh, if, if it was found out what they were doing, they would actually be killed because um, it's not open. To the, I wasn't there as a pastor. I was there as a tourist. Uh, we weren't there to, to do anything but just to, to help and, and, and to, to serve. And so there's, it's, not, it's not open like the U.S. is or other parts of the world. It's closed to, um, to, to Christians that are outside within. If you're a Christian within, you can speak to others. But if you're an outside coming in, you have to be really careful. And so there were some stories we heard of one couple. They've been in the Muslim village three years. And finally, this last year, uh, they saw the first people that came to Christ and began to give their lives to Christ. Pretty awesome story of, of how God did that. So it's, very, it's really cool. One ministry I loved was they rescue women from prostitution, the red light district. And they teach them how to, how to make things and, and to provide for their families. And just a, an awesome, an awesome story. Uh, let me show you one more video, and then I'm going to read a couple scriptures, and we'll pray. sometimes silently for precisely the kind of mercy that the God of the Bible has promised and has shown in sending his son Jesus to die for the world. Over six decades ago, Pastor Mark and Sister Halda Bante came to the city and essentially just gave their lives 
they just sowed their lives as seed in the ground of Calcutta of India. And what started as a small ripple has in the last six decades created a movement that has spread all across India. This mission was born out of a man and woman of God who did everything they could to reflect God's mercy. It was God's mercy that moved them to come to our city and the ministry that was birthed here was birthed out of a heart that overflowed with God's compassion and mercy for the hurting, for the suffering. Mercy reflects the character of God, the heart of God. It reflects His unconditional, unrelenting, covenant love. When it comes to us as believers, God says, if you know me and if you love me, I expect you to show mercy in the same way that I showed mercy to you. This mission has tried to do just that, reflect the mercy of God. We've tried to do it by showing God's mercy in acts of relief to help those who are desperately in need. Those who are hungry, this mission has tried to provide food, has been doing this for over half a century. Each day, we serve over 10,000 meals to poor children and people on the streets of Calcutta. We try our best to help people who are battling with disease because they don't have access to this very basic of human needs, clean, pure drinking water. The hospital on our campus reaches out to the hurting and the suffering. We share the gospel with them and the gospel is liberating and empowering. People suddenly realize it doesn't matter what their social status, it doesn't matter what their caste, it doesn't matter what their standing is in society. But when Jesus comes into their life and the power of the Holy Spirit fills them, there's a sense of empowerment. There's a sense that now with the strength and enablement God provides, I can help shape a different destiny, not just for myself, but for my children and those who come after me. Now it's impossible to summarize the impact of what God has done here in terms of exponential growth. All I can say is when you go through the length and breadth of this country, there are individuals, there are families, there are people who are serving the Lord, whose lives were snatched out of darkness and brought into light, who today are living productive, fruitful lives, helping to extend the kingdom of God, whose journey began as a sponsored child in one of our schools, whose journey began receiving Christ in one of our services, and today are impacting the world for Jesus. where many people only see obstacles and hurdles and sure there is opposition uh, everywhere we go we find opportunity and so as I look across our city I want to say yes not only mercy can save our city there is no hope for our city apart from the mercy of God
So as soon as Jesus finished telling the story of the, the three servants with the three talents, they gave him the talents, the silver, bags of silver. He tells them another story about the kingdom of God. And he compares this to the end of the age. God will gather all people. And he'll separate sheep and goats. And he says this, And the king will say to those on his right hands, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom of God prepared for you for the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty, give you something to drink, or a stranger, and show you hospitality, or naked, and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And Paul challenges us in Ephesians 5. He says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Here's my challenge. Would you take some time this week, and would you begin to say, God, what is it you want me to do with this life? What does you want me to do with this day? What does you, you want me to do with this, this life you give me, maybe these, these few minutes in, 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 in a day? What is it that you want me to do that will make an impact for eternity? How can I jump in, all in, and make those ripples that will impact a life, that will impact a life, that will impact a life? i got to see what a life would look like when it's given fully. In fact, hold us still there, still doing it. I can only imagine the millions of people they've impacted because they said, man, I'll do something. There's a need. I'll go find it. Maybe you hear you say, well, that's great for India. What about Santa Fe? What about our country? What about those things? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, July 14th, the weekend, we do, we do a serve day. We serve our community. We'll have some projects. You can help us serve our city. And if you have a passion for Santa Fe, we'd love to join you in your passion for whatever it is, feeding people, uh, helping those that are old, whatever, the elderly, whatever we can do to help serve our city, we'd love to partner with you because we want to do that. Um, we do a serve day to, to, to bless our city, to help our city. Uh, if you want to, maybe something more local, we have a missions trip to Colorado that's going to be happening in July. If you want to join us in that, Man, find, find us, let us know. You'd be interested and just be for a few days over a weekend in the middle of July. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take a mission trip there next, next year in February. We'll do a trip to Mexico, a missions trip. I'm in, I'm in contact with India trying to figure out we can plan a trip early next year and take, a, take some people from our church to go serve in Calcutta. Uh, we're still trying to get a trip to Haiti set up. So there's opportunities. The thing is, so if India doesn't, doesn't get you going, doesn't get you passionate, find something that does. Maybe it's some kids that need mentoring in our city. Man, find a kid and pour into them. Make an impact so that life can have an impact that can make an impact that can go on. It's not so, so, so important where. It's just doing something. Finding, finding a need and doing something about it. Be wise with your life. One of my favorite verses, because Paul is challenging us, don't miss your opportunity. Paul went through a lot of suffering, a lot of challenges, because he knew his, his calling, he knew what he was supposed to do. And so today as we talk, and I'll talk about what Calcutta Mercy in just a little bit, but before I do that, if you're here today... And as I've been talking about this, you're thinking, well, what does this mean for me? Well, for a few of you in this room, you've kind of just been going with the breeze. You kind of just have life is going along and there's not a lot of intention. For you, I'd say, man, get some intention. If maybe you've been using this life just for you and you're thinking, man, how can I turn this around and make an impact with the life God's given me and others? Well, today I would love to lead you in, in the start. The starting point is always saying, God, you first. God, you lead me to accomplish these things. And there's, few, there's people in this room that you're off track. You're far from God. You're doing your own thing. And today God would say, first, just come home. Would you be part of the family? Would you let me lead? See, being a Christian means that you're following Christ's lead. It means he's Lord and you're not. 
that you say, I give up control, I, give, I relinquish my rights to, to use my life however I want, and I trust you, you'll lead me in a better life. What's awesome is he does. The life he thought, he actually gives you something way better. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful exchange that he gives. So if you're here today, let me do, do this. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? And that would be you. You say, you know what, this life that I've been living hasn't had a lot of intention to it. In fact, it's all just about me. But today I want to change that. I want to give my life to God. I want to sign up and say, God, I want to use my life for your purposes. Help me to understand what those purposes are. And if that's you, you're here and you would say, I need God in my life. It starts with humility of saying, I can't do it on my own. In fact, the Bible says when we admit to God that we are off course, that we've sinned, that we've messed up, and we call on him, that he actually responds and saves us. So if that's you, I would love to lead you in a prayer just from your seat. I won't call you to the front, but would you let me know you're here by just lifting your hand and saying, that's me. I need to give my life to God. I need to put him first. I want to use with in, live with intentionality. Awesome. I see the hands. Anybody else? Quite a few hands went up. Awesome. Man, I can only dream of these hands that have gone up. If we would live that way, what kind of impact we would make. So awesome. It's more important that as you lift your hand, if you're not lifting it to me, you're lifting it to God, and he sees it. And the plans he has for you are amazing. So if you, let me pray, if you raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? It's just an invitation to God saying, God, lead me. If you're a Christ follower, would you join us in praying so they're not praying alone? Say this. Say, Father God, today I acknowledge that I need your help, that I can't do it on my own. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of going my own way. Help me to live this life the way you want me to. I believe you sent Jesus to die on that cross for me. I believe he's alive today and wants to help me on this journey. So I invite you into my life. I relinquish control. I ask you to be God in my life. Lead me and guide me. Help me to make a difference in this world. For your glory, for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we celebrate those recent world changers, life changers? People are saying yes to Christ.